He was known before the foundation of the world, but revealed in the final time for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Your faith and hope are in God. We could just repeat that over and over again and get the core message of really everything. Our faith can't rest in anything less than God, and we can't put our hope for happiness and fulfillment in anything less than Him either. No one person is ever going to be the source of your faith and hope. It can only be God. Your own strength, your own willpower. If you put your faith in that, I'm sorry, but that's only ever going to end in self-loathing because you are going to fail yourself at one point or another, and then you're going to say, come on, self, you're better than this. You should be better than this. This is why people don't like you. And then all that negative self-talk comes in. But maybe you might want to put your faith and your hope in your family. Something so good, such a gift from God, one of the greatest gifts that He will ever give you. And yet, if you put your faith and hope ultimately in them, you are doing them the cruelest disservice. Because you're saying, I depend on you for my happiness. And their frail shoulders cannot bear the burden of all of those expectations for fulfillment and perfection and Just as when you put your faith in yourself, self-loathing was the result. When you put your faith in them, deep resentment is the result. No one person and no one thing can bear the weight of all of our faith and hope other than God himself. It can't be yourself and your strength. It can't be your family, good as they may be. It can't be your friend group because those come and go sometimes. Sure can't be a political party, because as soon as you scratch below the surface, you go, ah, they're just as ugly as the other side. Can't be an institution. No, what you put your faith and your hope in is God. Because he's the one that's there. No matter who is in your family, no matter who is in your friend group, no matter who is at your church, If your faith and hope is in anyone other than God, they're going to fail you. But if you place your faith and your hope first and foremost in God, then everything else is able to find its proper place. Your family is still dysfunctional, but you are not broken down by it. Your friends may sometimes be faithful and other times not so much, but your happiness is not contingent on that. Your church community may have changes, but your faith remains solid because it was never in this person or that one. It was always in Christ Jesus who gave his life for you. But of course, he feels distant sometimes, doesn't he? Tough to recognize. We might come to Mass and see that some other people seem to be really experiencing it at a deep level, and we say, like, oh, I've been coming to this thing for, like, decades now, and I don't really feel God here. 
And you might be tempted to only ever come if the circumstances are good, if the mass time is when I want it, if uh, this person's preaching or that one, if the music is exactly as I like it, if the temperature is not too hot, not too cold. But we might feel like we don't really encounter Jesus here. Well, that's where today's beautiful gospel is this little vignette of the Christian life that shows us what it's like to journey with Jesus and finally come to recognize him in the breaking of the bread. So let's go through it. First, you have these two disciples that are walking on the road to Emmaus. They're setting out on a seven-mile journey outside of Jerusalem, and they are confused because they knew that the Lord was killed. They knew that he was dead. They hear that he's been risen. But they haven't encountered him yet. And so they're in that in-between phase that I think characterizes most of us. We have heard that he's risen, but much of the time we haven't experienced him. So it's more of like, well, I guess some people say this, and I guess I believe it, but it's kind of hard. Because he doesn't speak too clearly to me. He doesn't make himself visible and known the way that I would like. What's beautiful is that it doesn't specify who these disciples are exactly. It says one is Cleopas and the other one is unnamed. One beautiful interpretation of this that I've read is that the time of the resurrection is the recapitulation of all of creation. It is setting the reset button. And just as God walked with Adam and Eve in the garden, so now he walks with a couple on the road to Emmaus. And he is able to bring back humanity to that original communion with God that they had before the fall. And in this recreation, the only way that it happens is that these two disciples, whether it be Cleopas and his wife or just two other disciples, we don't know. But what was necessary is that they were honest with God in prayer. Because notice, they didn't recognize Jesus at first. Similar to us. In our prayer, we might think, am I just thinking right now or am I praying? Is this a monologue or a dialogue? I'm trying, but I don't really recognize you here. I don't really see you or encounter you right now, but I'm going to trust that this is a conversation worth having. And they were looking downcast, and Jesus asked them, essentially, what's going on? How are you doing? And then they explained to him their lives, their experiences from that day. And then they listened. And he opened up the scriptures for them. And for seven miles, they had this intimate conversation of walking together and talking and them sharing their hearts with him and him sharing his heart with them. And only after all of that were their eyes open to be able to see him in the breaking of the bread. What does this teach us? Well, we might be coming to Mass, but it's something that we do Maybe out of a genuine love for God, but maybe we don't prepare ourselves much for it. And so then we're shocked that we don't see him in the breaking of the bread. That we don't have this clear experience of him here. But what were we doing on the seven day journey that led us to this point? Did I share with him? Did I walk with him and talk with him? 
Did I try to see him open up the scriptures for me? Did I even take that book off the shelf? Did I try to have a daily walk and talk with Jesus where I give him my heart, he gives me his, in just basic sharing of what's going on? Did I take that leap of faith of saying, prayer is awkward because you don't talk back right away. I can't recognize you, but I'm still going to do it because I trust you're there. If we put in that work, if we have that daily devotion, when we come to the altar, our eyes can be open to see him. But today, maybe it would be good to ask ourselves, what is it that prevents my eyes from recognizing him? Right, Because it said clearly in that gospel, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. We might think to ourselves, where is he present and I can't see him and why? One way that we can challenge ourselves is, who is the person that I find it most difficult to see Jesus in? Because there's not a soul that exists that was not made in his image and likeness. And so if I can't see Jesus in you, that's not on you. That's on me. Because I know that you were made in his image and likeness. Who is it in my life that when I see them, instead of seeing God, I see red? And I'm just like, oh, this person. There weren't police officers right there. You know what I do to you. (laughs) Instead of saying... It's difficult to recognize you here, Lord, but I know that you're here. What is preventing my eyes from seeing you here? And that might be in a person, that might be in a relationship, that might be in a different situation in our lives. It might be that we're prevented from seeing him in Scripture because we we don't enter into it with this open heart and this open mind. We don't ask the right questions, we just kind of... Say, "Ah, I guess I'm supposed to read this chapter from Scripture. Okay, blah, 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 done. Maybe it's in prayer. I don't recognize him there because I'm not willing to sit in the awkward silence for a while. And so I say some things, I hear some silence, and then I give up on it for the next month. And then I try again. Today we bring all of that to the Lord and we say, Lord, this is what is keeping me from seeing you. I want my eyes to be open in the breaking of the bread here today. And so wherever maybe I've put my faith in someone who let me down, I give that to you. Wherever maybe I have a a situation where I just refuse to see God in someone, maybe even it's it's a sibling. Maybe it is someone that I should have at least a little bit more charity in my heart toward, but I've chosen to see them as all bad. Lord, I bring that to you so that you can take the scales from my eyes so that I may recognize you out there in my day-to-day and have that help me to recognize you right here at the altar. And then recognizing and seeing and receiving you here, it will open my eyes to see you all the better out there. Because it's a package deal. If we spend seven days out there not recognizing and not even looking for God, we can't expect to find him here. But then, if we find him here, if we allow our hearts and our minds to be opened up to receive the Lord and encounter him truly, then we keep encountering him out there in the day-to-day. And we can be ever strengthened in having our faith and hope not be 
in our very limited strength, in family, friends, pastor, but instead to always and only have it be in Christ Jesus who died for love of me and wants me to recognize him every day of my life.